So, Will, how's it going? Good, Kaylin. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. So this week, I have a deeply personal question for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, when you get in a fight with someone, mm-hmm. are you the person who wants to go to bed and wake up the next day with fresh mind and address anything that might be left over in the morning? Or are you the one that does not want to go to bed angry and will hash things out till two o'clock in the morning? Ah, that's a good one. And one that if Nikisa listens to this, she'll probably completely disagree with my answer. I was going to mention, keep in mind, your future wife may listen to this. Um, I, I, I think at a certain point, and like, and if it's like a big fight, I think at a certain point, it's just, let's put a pin on this and sleep because they always happen at night. And let's, you know, put a pin on it. We could talk about it with cool heads tomorrow. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And um, my, my better half is much smarter than me. And she thinks that she, she is under the opinion of like, no, we can't go to bed angry that's like one a big thing for her which i which i totally agree with i think that's better now when i'm too exhausted to fight anymore and i just want to put a pin on it i'm not really angry anymore i'm just tired so i don't know if that's fully applicable but yeah i think the smart thing to do is get it finish up whatever you're whatever you're arguing with go to bed in a good spot and then if you need to follow up you can follow up but normally normally i'm just like i can't i can't do this anymore <laughs> let's just go to bed. let's just forget about it let's just talk about it later eventually mm-hmm. what about you i would have to i would have to align with i think Nikisa in that I don't like going to bed angry also because I don't go to bed I will just (laughs) stay awake mulling it over ruminating in my head the whole thing it'll just be a terrible sleep I don't like waking up in the morning angry I'm not saying fights in the evening or in the early morning are very productive they're often not never productive no but yeah, I hate it. I hate, I think most people hate going to bed angry, but I would w- rather tough it out and say things I almost don't mean <laughs> so that you can go to bed and wake up and start a new day with it wrapped up in a way. Now, that being said, as much as one person wants <laughs> to hash it out, <laughs> if the other person doesn't, you may not get that resolved. And I have had the experience where I've been forced to go to bed angry. And when I wake up, I am miraculously not angry anymore. <laughs> it sleep's a great thing. It it helps you out a lot. I think it it there's some kind of, you know, subconscious mental processing that your brain's like, you know, maybe this just isn't worth it's not worth it. So maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe we should go to bed angry a little bit. <laughs> maybe that there's a something yeah, something unconscious that'll do the work for us. Well, I think the the big thing about arguments especially late at night and especially if they involve drinking at all which a lot of the times a lot of them do you you find yourself going around in in circles continuously so and you'll say something that either you don't mean or someone 
will interpret what you say as something else because they'll be thinking of one thing and say something and then you'll be interpreting that as another thing and then you'll start fighting about that thing you interpreted and they'll start fighting about the other thing and you'll just like loop around and be like what are we even talking about right now why why are we still on this we aren't we on the same page like that's what i feel like we're at right now so that's when i that's when i'm like okay let's just go to bed because if we are if we continue fighting about this for another half hour we won't we'll just continue circling each other's tails we need to like stop restart and sometimes and sometimes i can be going to bed sometimes that might just be like let's stop for 15 minutes yeah and then and then and then we can start talking about it more calmly but I, Mm -hmm. i i do think it's important to not drag it into multiple days yeah i think and if if that's just going to bed and coming and coming out with a clear head next morning and being like you know what it it was stupid it's no big deal or if that's just finishing it that day it can be one or the other but as long as you're not (laughs) wake up (laughs) the other person's already up and they have notes and they're like all right let's go I'm, i'm prepared for round two that's probably bad yeah and the way you say that is round two as like the fight as a boxing match couldn't be more appropriate for the movie that we're about to discuss. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a movie with definite rounds of combat. <laughs> we'll say that. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, well, this week on the Movie Journal, we are discussing Sam Levinson's new movie, Malcolm and Marie. Stay with us. So did you have a time to get a drink after your walk? I sure did. Nice. I'm living on the West Coast right now. It is beautiful and snowy for the one time a year. It does that. Yep. And so I got myself a nice hot apple cider. Poured in a little bit of fireball whiskey to give it a little cinnamon, a little bit of whiskey flavor. So I'm nice and cozy and sitting here with that. What about you? I desperately wanted to make a drink with the snow like some kind of Mm. snow cone shaved ice there's just so much of it sitting on the balcony pristine untouched (laughs) i went down a rabbit hole of a japanese drink that has shaved ice it has a name that i've forgotten now you know what it just seemed too complicated because when as i started to read about it you need to like offset the water that the snow brings in so like you mix it with like a higher alcohol content so that as the snow melts it like evens it out there's a whole like science to it who knew a snow cone could be so difficult i guess a a boozy snow cone yeah (laughs) uh so i just made it old-fashioned nice (laughs) always a good time for an old-fashioned and cold day perfect day for a whiskey Stay inside, Mm -hmm. watch a movie, don't do much. So yeah, Malcolm and Marie. Trailer. You are by far the most excruciating, difficult, stubbornly obnoxious woman I've ever met in my entire life. I fucking loved you. Oh, he's so sensitive. He's romantic. Betty's sweet, right? 
Well, I mean, yeah. <sighs> when he's not being an emotional fucking terror. Oh. <laughs> I love the way you see the world, Marie. I was certainly excited to see this movie because of John David Washington. I had just seen him in, I mean, quite a few things, but I guess Tenant most recently. Yeah. And then Zendaya, who did like an amazing job with Euphoria. Um, I watched that series last year. Um, Just super talented. So knowing this is kind of a movie carried by two people the entire way through um, and it was easily available on Netflix, I was stoked to watch it. What did yeah. you think? Yeah, I was really excited for it too. I love, I love uh, John David Washington. Um, I think he's such a fun and physical actor that really gets to show it off here, which is great. And don't know much about Zendaya other than like what she's been in in the Spider-Man movies. Right. Uh, I, don't, I think I don't know. It's not like Greatest Showman. Haven't seen Euphoria, so don't know much. I mean, I like I love her take on MJ. I think she's hilarious and yeah. And so I was really, really excited to see her more in a dramatic performance. And, and yeah, she, she's she's great here. So both the leads did not let me down at all. Totally. The movie I progressively disliked more <laughs> as it went along. I definitely have some problems with it that I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, I was really pumped to love this movie. It it hits so many of my weird movie nerd checkboxes like oh it's oh it's a two-hander overshot over like one night in black and white and it does long takes and weird angles and it has a whole scene where a guy just dances to himself from music and i love a good solo dance scene two actors i love and yeah i guess we'll i guess we'll get into it but um as things kind of sort of clicked together for me as the movie went on, I became more and more suspicious of it and ended up being pretty disappointed with just how it was constructed. But but I'm sure we'll get into that, but how about you? As I've like I watched it a while ago. I watched it when it came out, so I've had like about a week now to kind of sit with it. But I definitely feel like I have a response to a movie initially and then it changes over time. Yeah. And maybe it has a lot to do with the expectation and prediction of what I think that movie is going to be like. But um, I did find it a little bit hard to get through. Like I was watching it with Scott and, you know, he's just like, they're still fighting. Like he couldn't (laughs) handle it. He fell asleep. And yeah, it's um, it's very unique. It's very theater and play like the fact that it's Mm -hmm. all done in this one house. The architecture is really interesting. Like visually, it's a very beautiful film. And sometimes that can like carry quite a bit for me. Mm-hmm. I try to imagine this movie shot in a totally different location or not in black and white. And it's a very different movie. So between the like super strong performances of the two leads and the visual kind of like identity of the film, I did enjoy it. But I think I just, that was it. You know, I just, I just enjoyed it. There was nothing like beyond the 100 minute runtime experience it is a very and this is a completely separate issue than a lot of what i had with it but it's a very pontificating film i don't know what that word is (laughs) it's it's a lot of um person spouting ideas about stuff oh yes which can which i find movies that do that are either provocative and 
it's interesting that they have like him saying all these all the stuff and then her undercutting him which makes for a funny dynamic mm-hmm. but at the end of the day i'm like i'm also like what are we trying to say here did i learn anything interesting yeah from any any of them did Am I learning something about this type of character? Is the movie just undercutting any message it's trying to say? Is it actively not trying to say anything? It kind of comes back and forth with me with with that kind of thought process. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to grow on me. I, I just saw it last night. So it's pretty fresh. I love the, the building, the architecture. The, I think they do a really good job of using the actual home to the best of its ability. Um, the black and white, I thought was okay. Like it's nice. I don't know why it was in black and white. <laughs> I think that's one of the things. I'm like, that's an interesting take on it. But like, it's such a dark movie to begin with. Like, if at night you can kind of tell. I don't even know how much different movie it would be without if you took that kind of out of it. The black and white thing is really interesting to me because we, of course, also watched Mank last year, and mm-hmm. we're talking about black and white in that movie too, and. And I was a little disappointed with that black and white in it, only because it drew so many comparisons to Citizen Kane in, by itself. And then you're looking at it being like, you know, that it's because Citizen Kane's a piece of art with its black and white, where this is just very beautiful and crisp and clean black and white. At least in Manga, like it serves a story purpose. It puts you like in a time and in a space mm-hmm. and it kind of really it's the best way to emulate the, the movies of the past to kind of give, to give that a feel, even if it's not directly Citizen Kane, it brings the other movies of the time. I mean, maybe you, you, you can certainly speak to this more than I can. Cause I can't think of any off the top of my head, but black and white can just be an aesthetic choice. Can it not? Like there's no reason we have to film everything in color. Oh no. And that's one of the things where I'm kind of going back and forth on. I'm like, yeah, it's in black and white. I'm like, it seems like I it's it's that it's a tool. It's a tool in the filmmaker's little pocket that you can use and use really, really well. And when someone uses it for no reason or for not an obvious reason, I always wonder why they used it. Other than the obvious reason being like this is trying to emulate a film from a time where black and white was the only option, what is a typical other reason for a modern movie choosing black and white film? Um, I think it can devoid the color and the life of a movie. It can it can make it more focused on shapes and framing and shadows and reflections. But don't you think that's so much about why it was chosen here? Mm. I'm just trying to think of like all the materials and textures of the building, like the glass where you like visibly see this outside inside comparison or her dress which just like her dress is fantastic you can't take your head like eyes off of it Mm -hmm. as it like glitters so brightly in the black and white or the greasy buttery mac and cheese (laughs) in the frame like there's something almost about the textures and some of the other elements being heightened when you take the color out it's it's weird that it didn't do it for me because i agree like there's some parts of it that work really well and then there's other parts where I look at it and I wouldn't even know if it's in black and white or not because it's in a in a dark space. Right, I see. The couch looks like it's a white couch. The floors look like they're black floors. Maybe half the scenes 
you might not even notice that big of a difference if right. it was in color versus that. And I mean, that's just, and it's, it is an aesthetic decision. It's kind of like someone doing a long take and I'm like, cool, a long take, love long takes. What are you doing this for? Sometimes they just do it. And I'm like, oh, so you just kind of did it to show you could do a long take. It doesn't yeah. like immerse you or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with the scene, but it, it draws attention to itself in a way that you're just like, oh, what are you, what are you doing here with this? I feel like we brought this up with um, Lucy in the sky when they were doing those like multiple camera angles of a room that she yeah. was going in at the beginning when they were using it in the space station. We were like, oh, it's cool because they had like aerial shots of like all these really space tech rooms and then it kept going and you're like why am i watching her enter her house in two angles like, so i i get what you mean like if you're if there's moments where you're thinking like this is unnecessary and why is this done then yeah, those are the moments where it's not as successful mhm the my main my main issue with it and i think i think i felt i had two pro- i had two major problems probably in the first like half hour and that kind of like slowly soured me on the whole rest of the film. And one, I found it exhausting. Oh, it is. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. It, and I'm, I'm with Scott on that by the, like the there's, I think there's like three, I think there's three like back and forth major arguments and then like a nice calm period and then a bunch more. Yeah. And by the third one of that, I was just like, these are all very well acted funny great little one-liners kind of being thrown out there but they all felt like the climax of a movie yeah and every time they kept going i'm just like i want some like i want to build up to it i want it and and honestly that's not always how fights go (laughs) so i kind of get it it's kind of just like shooting the bullets you find when you have them but i found it a little tiring and the, the main problem I had with it was that I found that the movie relied on kind of gotcha plot twists that felt inauthentic in their life and more I could I, I started to see I pulled me out of the movie world and I started to see the machinations of oh we're gonna do this and then we're going to reveal this card after that like they're fighting and the whole the whole first buildup is that he forgot to thank her right and you're like oh shit well he's obviously in the wrong and then they like end the first argument with her being like especially since i'm the person it's based on you're like oh shit that's the the final (laughs) that's the final door that has to be it but and it's then <laughs> and it's not. And then he goes back and he's like, "But wait, this information." And then it goes back to her and she's like, "But wait, this information." And I felt that was by the by the third by the second time, and then going into like when the third fight kind of started, I started just not being invested in them because I was like, I feel like I'm being told information that's just going to get flipped on its head in a second, and not in like a character way but just in how they chose to doll out the information, which is right. the problem I kind of had with it. Like the whole time he's like, Oh, I don't know why you're mad. I don't know why you're mad. I don't know why you're mad. He's like, Oh, you forgot to thank me. And you're like, it's like this reveal. And then like later on the film, it, they kind of tell like, 
he's like, oh, I apologized to you during the movie and at the after party a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, when you came home, how did you not pick up on the cues that she might have still been pissed off about it? The first bit is kind of played off as, did you know you forgot to thank me? And he's like, oh, shit, I totally, I'm so sorry. But like, he knew. Yeah. Like, part of that whole argument was like, I don't know what your attitude is. What's wrong with you? It's like, you know what the attitude is, but we as the audience don't know why. And so they play it as the reveal and they play it as the reveal and they play it as the reveal. And I, ju- I guess I just wanted more like to know more about these characters yeah. before allow us to make some of these connections rather than having to t- directly tell you. Yeah. That's what I kind of wanted. And and so as these arguments are going on, I just felt like I don't necessarily trust what the characters are telling me. And so I stopped being invested in their side of the story. Cause I'm like, let me wait 10 minutes to see what the other person says, mm-hmm. because you might be like, Oh, you were a train wreck. And you know, I was the one who's there for you. And then I might be like, well, in five minutes, they're going to reveal that he was probably cheating on her the whole time or something like that that she's waiting to get her piece in. So like, mm-hmm. what? hold on, let me get all my notes in a row, <laughs> figure out what actually happened. <laughs> so yeah, and then the movie slows down about halfway through and I was actually really enjoying it when it slowed down, when they're like playing on the couch and yeah, like that kind of, like the, the minute the movie slowed down a bit and we started getting those character moments, I was like back into it. Yeah. And then they just started fighting it. And I'm like, <laughs> so it's a hard movie for me to go through. But that was my experience. <laughs> I think um I think I 100% agree with everything you said you just said. Um m- maybe I just liked you know a fight, like a, how a fight can start about one thing and just end up yeah. becoming something else. Like it's about you didn't thank me and the fact that she's argumentative and you know he decides like the one where he his kind of monologue when he's ranting to her in the bathroom about all the other women. Mm-hmm. It's like the gloves just came off, right? Like yeah. she, that it, the fight was not about their past, about who they'd been with and everything until that moment. So, well, I completely agree where I'm like, Oh, I'm on his side. Oh, and now I'm on her side. I liked that, you know, slow pick, pick a part of their past a little bit where it's like clearly based on her or maybe not based on her, but clearly, especially her final monologue when all the things she took, you know, responsibility for during the entire production of his movie, she -hmm. really was owed a thank you, you know, like whether or not the movie was based on her, whether or not she was cast, whether or not she would have been better in the lead than the the lead actress, Mm -hmm. just like all of that, like regardless, it just like comes down to like, she was definitely owed the thank you. And so that kind of unraveling didn't bother me as much from like a real fight perspective, but I felt the movie lagged when it was just like another fight, like, okay, like let's get to the end of this to figure out who's really at fault. And you're totally right where the moments, um, like, especially when she's teasing him about the Lego movie and (laughs) when they're not like as serious is just really enjoyable um, and a nice reprieve from everything else. Yeah. And I do, I did certainly really appreciate it. The, the realism of the spiraling argument in multiple spiraling arguments, that arguments, that's how they work. And I really appreciate that. And I think I loved every single one of those 
in isolation. Right. I think they're like so well acted and the dialogue is really good. And mm-hmm. just the way the characters relate power to one another and how it shows it affects them. Like the way Zendaya just the minor cracks in her armor speak mounds and the the bulldozing forward of John David Washington. Like yeah. those were, they were so good and they're both s- such great performers. I just didn't like it in, in series, in such tight series yeah. in, in, in those ways. And I think I had, I had, and yeah. And as much as I love bits and pieces, other things just really, really stood out to me. Like, like, as he, I mean, he has a great, incredibly entertaining rant about a critic in the movie, oh, yes. oh, which, yes. which is fantastic. And about halfway through that, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, wait a second, because they're using this dumb white lady, white, especially as a slur for, I don't know, uneducated or ignorant of the world. And I'm like, isn't isn't Sam Levinson white? And and yeah, and I'm like, it seems weird that it feels like an avatar for him. Mm-hmm. Especially upon further research, there is a white lady at the LA Times, and she did pan his last movie. Yes. <laughs> and it's weird that he's like. But then again, you know, maybe they're talking about. The, the race thing, like, oh, it doesn't have to be just because it's a movie about Black people doesn't mean it's a race. Mm-hmm. But it does feel weird to have someone slur someone's color as a negative when you're putting in the words of someone of a different race so it can be a slur when you're not that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, la- the layers, really, when he's talking about making a movie as a Black director and about mm-hmm. the white critic as a dialogue being written by a white director about a white critic that gave him a bad review. Like it's what's, you know, what's kind of weird is that there like, has obviously been some controversy about that, but um, you know, if they had just omitted the LA times, like if they had just taken the publication, yeah. out, which like he had only put in because I think the, you know, the premiere was supposed to be in LA, but given the black and white nature of the film and the fact that the house is in the middle of nowhere, it could literally have been anywhere. You know, it doesn't have to be in LA. It could have been, oh, the first review came out from Marjorie Schwartzman. And that that could have been it. Yeah, and, and that would kind of like detach this fixation that people are now having on that person who's getting dragged in and probably asked, I mean, I don't I haven't really done any research, but I mean mm-hmm. maybe is being asked to even comment on being dragged in, which is like a nightmare. Like if yeah. Sam Levinson really wasn't thinking about that bad critic review that he had on his like a previous film, then he'd just be like, God damn it. I should never have included it. It's, it's also like it becomes a, a talking point for reviews, which pulls away from the real review. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, when the whole thing is about movie reviews. Yeah. It's, it becomes kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that whole, that whole thing is so entertaining though. And it really, when when John David Washington is able to be like physical, he's really at his best. Like he's so animated during that whole like tirade, 
And at the beginning, when he like pours his whiskey and he dances around the house and he jumps up the like windowsill, like it's so entertaining. And he's such a magnetic screen presence. And I really loved seeing him do this kind of role because as much as I love Tenet and him in Tenet, that's a very subdued performance. Completely different. Yeah. So I really like to see him really let it all out here. Yeah. Or the the, uh, scene of him outside too. Yeah. Like outside the house. Yeah. Um, it's really good as well. And uh, yeah, one thing that was kind of interesting is that I couldn't, that I feel like added to my trying, I think it's like what you said, where you wish you knew more about the characters or more about their relationship beyond what was just told to us. Mm-hmm. But it's a really kind of interesting dynamic between the two because she's pretty quiet and yeah. reserved. He is. I mean, it seems like he might be like drunk, maybe from the party after or whatever, but he's like animated and emotional. And if you had these characters play maybe a more traditional gender role, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the same like movie. Like there was something really interesting about her being quiet and processing everything he's saying and she's frightening you know like you can tell yeah. he's scared of what she's thinking about as she like processes what he's saying to her and you can tell that she's kind of like over it like when he's even on one of his rants outside she's kind of rolling her eyes like you can tell that they've been yeah. down this road before and this is like normal for him but i did enjoy that maybe like swish on the traditional fight roles or gender roles yeah especially because she's the recovering addict yeah uh actress who you expect to be all over the place and he's the upper middle class filmmaker who you expect to be a little more professional and buttoned up and it's the complete opposite dynamic and there is and it's funny because like there's one moment i think really really works for me a few moments that definitely work for me but when i think one of the final reveals is one that actually kind of worked is when she asked him like well why didn't you cast me mm-hmm. and because at that point i'm like okay now i have all this history in it i think i can feel like the honesty in that statement and i'm interested to explore where it goes mm-hmm. not less so the mystery that i think's going to be like a mystery balloon that's going to get popped in a second right i feel now that i'm like okay so i know she's an actress I know she lived this life. Why didn't he cast her? I, I know all the I know all the potential answers because I'm like, well, she seems occasionally pretty unstable or flaky, or maybe she's just not that good because she doesn't have a great career. Like I have all these questions from all this lined information that they've given me so far. So when that final confrontation happens, if I wasn't so tired by that point in the movie and kind of zoned out. <laughs> It, it on its own like I think that was the most effective part of the movie for me because that's what I kind of wanted I like preference preferentially the little slow burn of like you get little bits of nuggets and information you can kind of see the picture and then it explodes into yeah with that preconceived knowledge yeah the the scene where she pulls the knife and yeah. like does the scene for him without him knowing she's doing a scene. And then she's like, you know, that's how I could have done it. You're like, Oh shit. Like 
she would have been great, I'm sure. And <laughs> which he he agreed as soon as she was done. Yeah, yeah great line of why didn't you do that in the audition? Yeah. <laughs> in the audition, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. totally. No, I couldn't agree more. No, there's some there there are definitely some great lines in this movie when at the beginning she just said like well, I changed my mind. I think I can do that. When he's like, but you weren't upset. You said you were okay. And it's like, I changed my mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's allowed. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, notes here. And I think we covered like most of the things I liked. I did like the black and white. I loved the architecture and the visual oh. like nature of the film. I loved the choreography of like how they shot you know, they, they obviously tried to like get the exterior of the house coming mm-hmm. in, coming out all these different angles to kind of show it. And it, it worked for me as, as someone who appreciates like architecture and design. Yeah. The whole up and down of the fight, fighting with someone where you actually have to take a break to eat food is like yeah. an unfortunate reality <laughs> in the world, um, which I like. You're just dehydrated from yeah. yelling or crying and you like, I just need liquids. Oh my God, I know. And um, yeah, and aside from it kind of lagging and what you mentioned about um, just, you know, how the information was parsed out and it, these like kind of reveals that really changed your view on who these characters were. Um, I did, I did enjoy myself despite being exhausted in the yeah. film, which I think is kind of difficult not to be regardless of how it I went. I think it's kind of the point. Nature. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I totally agree. I think there's, I think the, I love the angles they chose for a lot of the scenes. Some things that are just like pretty straightforward and standard. And I, I'm going to give this movie a huge buy on a lot of like, oh, it's okay about certain things because it was a COVID movie. They had a very small crew in a small period of time. Like it's not easy to do, mm-hmm. but like there's so many great moments, like the whole like bathtub scene, how that was shot. There's a moment where she kind of pushes him off the couch and then she's lying on like the top, like the top backrest of it. And he's on the ground. And just the way it's framed is such a great little image of like relationships and where they are at that period of time and like really artfully and thoughtfully done that. Yeah. For some reason I was out of it by then. And I was like, I really like this. The music is so good. Well chosen. And um, yeah, it just felt like another element. It was either like the claustrophobia of it only being on one in one spot in addition to the reduction of color through the black and white, like it's almost like all these other little decisions that were made feel like they're more important somehow, or they add more to the experience of the film. And like, yeah, it felt like the music like that she plays from her phone outside and that he Mm -hmm. plays when he gets home from the show is like movies is like, it's very intentional with that character choosing it, which is interesting because often it's just played in the background, like for you as a viewer, not for the, for the actors or like the characters and they certainly play out like a role in the mood the character's mood yes. at the moment it's very totally. intentional yeah i i totally see why people would go for this movie i think i have a very personally and i've noticed it in a few movies recently where i have a very low tolerance for world breaking in a way that like i'm like very willing to like sit down and watch a movie just with without thinking at all 
And then the minute I see some, like, the minute I see, like, one string, I'm like, oh, what's this? And I just, like, try to unravel the whole thing. Like, the minute something doesn't make, like, geographical sense or, like, that was weird. Why wouldn't wouldn't the character know this? Or that's an interesting decision. I'm like, oh, it's a script decision. Let's, let's, oh, it's a movie now. It's not like I'm involved. This is something else. So I think this was just a casualty of my (laughs) hypersensitivity of that, of me just being like, huh, let me see the script of this. What are you playing at? I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I think everything you said, I completely agree with. I think I've just had enough time to let the shock of the exhaustion (laughs) mellow. And what's left is the remembering of like the visual nature of the film, which I enjoyed. And it's interesting that you brought it up, like it being made during COVID because, um, you know, there could be this whole grouping of movies, I'm not entirely sure, that are made with smaller cast smaller support production um mm-hmm. that would be known later it's like oh yeah that one well it was major in covid that's why blank 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 was chosen the location was chosen or it's only so many people were involved or whatever the, yeah. you know, that is um but i don't see that necessarily with this movie in 10 years you know like i don't necessarily think that you would be in like oh it was covid that's why it's isolated no. with only with this kind of nature it's just kind of like a case study on one night in a relationship <laughs> yeah thing. and the claustrophobic nature is perfect for that kind of that kind of story you want to tell mm-hmm. no i completely agree that it might be interesting to see how see the difference in mid-sized movies in a few years and i'm and then despite not being a huge fan of it i i am interested to see what Sam Levinson's next work is going to be mm-hmm. if, he does, if he does another movie or goes back to TV for a little bit because because yeah there's so much of it that I'm like this is very really interesting decisions like is he trying to say something is he not trying to say something like there's so many like questions I I felt like just weren't answered and I'm like I feel like I need a greater body of work of him as a storyteller mm-hmm. just to see what he's what his intentions are and what he's trying to do with it or what he's trying to say. I don't feel like I got it from this movie, but there's enough threads in there that I think I might, if I, he does a couple more, I might come back to it and appreciate it more. Yeah. I haven't looked at his like IMDB, but I know they were in the middle of uh, filming euphoria season two when the pandemic mm-hmm. happened. So that hasn't come out yet, but if you, yeah, you haven't watched euphoria. It's definitely, definitely worth watching. A hundred percent. I didn't watch it for so long because of people telling me to watch it, which initially <laughs> right off the bat is like, I don't need to, because I don't trust your judgment. Uh, <laughs> and if you like it, I'm not going to like it. Um, and I was just so wrong. I really enjoyed it. And it is interesting because Zendaya plays a recovering drug addict in Euphoria. That's her character. There's so mm-hmm. many um, like parallels between her character and that and this. And I don't think that was necessarily intentional, but um, yeah, it, it's worth watching. It's really, it's really interesting. And yeah, I'm not sure whether he's planning on staying just in TV to pursue that or whether he has like uh, plans for film. I'm sure he has another thing on the mind. So yeah, we'll see. Cool. So out of, out of five, what, what are you thinking? I gave it three. You gave it three? I'll give it like a 2 or 2.5, but we'll see how I feel long term. 
Um, I definitely still recommend people people watch it. Um, it's certainly an interesting movie with two of the most interesting new stars working today. So, a reserved recommendation. Be prepared for what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, I mean, if you have a significant other that you have any problems with, I would not watch it with them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Nikisa, we watched it together. She liked it a lot more than me. I think maybe even more than you. And uh, we had a good fight about it. <laughs> it lasted 10 hours. <laughs> no, actually. I mean, we we talked about what we each other liked. And it was kind of like, oh, I see it like this. And she's like, oh, I see it like this. And I'm like, oh, it's interesting. We have different perspectives about it. <laughs> Cue full night fight scene. Someone's yeah. making mac and cheese. She's All like, right. I want to get on your podcast. I want to fight with you about this movie. <laughs> like, I'm, her like, on as a guest. I'm like, I don't want to fight. <laughs> the podcast is not about fighting. Yeah, this movie will make you not want to fight with people. Watch it. Yeah. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> um, cool. So I don't actually know a ton about the movie for next week other than I know I wanted to see it. Do you want to introduce it? Yeah, I know next to nothing about it. I know it's a, a de- debut film from, I believe, Rose Glass, UK filmmaker. It is a horror movie called St. Maud. It is available on most rental services, I believe. And all I know is it came out a couple of 2019, I think, at the Toronto International Film Festival. It premiered, didn't get any sort of release last year. So this is basically it's been on the most anticipated release chart for a year and a half now. So it's finally out. And I recently saw a little tagline that said The Exorcist meets First Reformed. And I'm like, great. Perfect. Sounds exactly what I want. You know, what better movie to launch on Valentine's Day weekend than a horror thriller to watch with your loved one? That's what we'll be watching. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, try to catch um, St. Maud before next week. And thanks for listening. We'll see you then.